Welcome back to the Shed the Shame podcast, folks. I am your co-host, Algelin, alongside Alex. We are joined today by Jamie Kayumi, um, an amazing woman. And we're going to talk about a topic that impacts roughly 600,000 women in the U.S. annually. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we formally introduce Jamie, I wanted to share that we have reached nearly 20% of our fundraising goal for the Shed the Shame um, fundraising campaign. So remember that for each purchase of a water bottle or subscription to Ladybox, we donate funds to the nonprofit WaterAid, an organization that works to provide clean water and sanitation to over 30 countries across the world. All right, so that's that. All right, Alex. Let's introduce Jamie. Yay, we are so excited to be joined by Jamie today. Um, She has experienced a hysterectomy and is going through perimenopause. So we're really excited to learn more. These are both topics, well, for perimenopause, something everyone goes through at some point, Mm -hmm. hysterectomy, as Algelin said, 600,000 women and menstruators deal with it annually. Um, and there's still not a lot of information out there. So we're really excited to learn more about you and your journey and all of your words of wisdom when it comes to dealing with this and dealing with your cycle as these changes are happening. So we love to start off with a cycle check-in, um, especially saying like, you, if you had a hysterectomy, what does that, what is that like for you? Do you know where you're at in your cycle? Um, a lot of people would be really interested to hear that. So I think that'd be a great place to start today. Okay. Um, well I have, it's been about a year since I've had a period. I celebrated my last period, had a party, um, in July 2021. Let's see here. Where are we at? No, last year. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I just want to erase that year. (laughs) You end up, (laughs) um, you end up with a little fogginess, uh, from perimenopause. I'm going through the brain fog for sure. Um, but I did celebrate my last period and I haven't had one for a year. My hysterectomy was pretty difficult. Um, so mm. it's just in the last two or three months that I really started to figure out what my emotional cycle is. There is definitely still a cycle, but I could liken it to riding like one of those mechanical bulls. I really haven't <laughs> figured it out yet. Mm. Other than I notice I'm a little more um, emotional. Like if a commercial grabs me, or like something like Oprah-esque grabs me and I get like teary-eyed. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in my, I'm in my cycle now. Um, I don't have a lot of physical symptoms. And one of the positives of having hysterectomy is I don't have migraines anymore that are are around my cycle. So that was always a key. Okay. I'm going to have a migraine. My cycle is going to start in a day or two. And then I end up with the migraine at the end. So they kind of bookend my period, which was Holy really cow. nice not to have those anymore. Hmm? Yeah. I was just saying, holy cow, that's like not pleasant yeah. at all. No, no, it was horrible. And those started in my 20s uh, when I started to get my Wow. Grades. Yeah. So I dealt with that for a good, I'm 47 now. So I dealt with that for a good 20 years. So yeah, that was no fun. But that was one of the pleasant things is when I got rid of my uterus. <laughs> I shouldn't say got rid of it, but it's kind of what it felt like at that point. Yeah, uh, I also got rid of my migraines, which was nice. Yeah, I went to the uh, Chihuly exhibit recently in downtown, uh, you know, near the Space Needle. Yep. And there is a huge, beautiful red with black speckled spots, strange 
chandelier shaped thing like I don't know 20 yeah. feet and it looks just like my I'm like that's what my uterus looks like I wish I had a picture of it right now. oh wow <laughs> but it was just so difficult I had fibroids and you know a lot going on in there that was really painful so. Yeah. For those who are not familiar with the Seattle area and the Chihuly Museum and, and Glass exhibit, um, yes. it is a um, museum or exhibit or um, store where you can look at beautiful glass art and, and then purchase um, it too. So yes. that's the Chihuly Sorry, I just digressed as an artist. I just went inside. <laughs> and, my, and my husband and I are walking through the exhibit and I see this huge red monstrous thing. And that's exactly what my uterus felt like at the time. So anyways, um, help me out here. I got lost yeah. in the, in the so, question. Um, so talking about art, you last year you had a wonderful exhibit, um, art exhibit, um, you had beautiful art exhibited at Vibe Co-Works where mm -hmm. you and I met, Jamie. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so moving. So, And there was like one that you ended up keeping um, for yourself mm -hmm. at home. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Jamie is an artist. She's a user experience, user interface um, consultant. Um, she's actually helping Ladybox improve user experience there too. But um, if you want to talk a little bit about like you and then also that art exhibit and the one that you kept that was like it was moving to me and if I had had the funds I would have purchased it um <laughs> but yeah like talk about that um so I did an art series called uh home uh it was about the concept of home versus homelessness mm -hmm. and um in Kitsap County here in our area all the library all the libraries uh they do a countywide one book um what is it called? It's like a campaign where everybody in the community reads the same book. I can't think of it right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it was about homelessness. The book is called mm -hmm. Evicted. It's a very difficult book to read. Um, and as an artist, I wanted to come in and talk about difficult subject matter with the community and at the same time, get people to engage with it on a personal level and also find the way out of homelessness, right? The concept of home versus homelessness. So Finding one, finding one way, uh, one's way back to themselves. So the in the work ended up being about how homelessness is a traumatic event that happens in our lives. But anytime we have trauma in our lives, we mm -hmm. kind of get evicted from ourselves, from our own lives, mm -hmm. and we have to find a way back to ourselves. Mm -hmm. That was the the heavy part of it. But there was also the lighter part of just being human, which is we all have to grow up. We all have to leave the nest. We all have to go yeah. out and forge our way into the world. And everybody has to do that part. But what you notice, some people just don't make it back sometimes to themselves. They get kind of broken along the way and lost. And the journey about getting back to oneself. So the work started with a piece that was very dark. Somebody's on the streets dead, basically. They're just laid flat. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, the very last piece I did in that series, there was 10 pieces. Um, it's called um, take Every way, Wave, and it's by um, Laird Hamilton. He's a uh, internationally known surfer. He's like mm -hmm. the god in the surfing world, but he's never won even just one um, medal of any kind. But all everybody in the surfing world just uh, like yeah. bows to him, and he doesn't care about that. You know, he's just yeah. he his home is the water, and so I did yeah. a painting called Take Every Wave, and it's him going through like a tunnel in a wave. Mm -hmm. um, but the piece you're referring to is called the double blind study. And that's about the shadow side of ourselves. 
which mm -hmm. is intimately connected to our periods and our cycles. Um, we all have a shadow side and if we don't learn how to deal with it, hence PMS getting out of control or yep. any of those things in our lives, right? Our emotions, um, it ends up taking control of us. And so that piece you're talking about is called double blind study. Maybe I can give you an image later so you can attach it if you want to this. Yes. Um, yes but the, that piece is the wisdom you gain as you go, you can start talking in decades <laughs> um, <laughs> about what it means to be a woman, what it, what, what, how you define yourself as a woman and mm -hmm. how you define yourself by not just what you do that's positive and nice and cheery, but what you also do when you need to be angry, when you need to be assertive, when you need to take action. Because um, mm -hmm. that's what the shadow side provides for us. It provides that active energy, that yeah. masculine versus feminine energy mm -hmm. um, to move through the world and get, get shit done. Um, Am I allowed to cuss on a podcast? Yes. Oh, this one, yes. yes. Not, not on a podcast. We can on this one. <laughs> um, so that piece was, a lot of people were very interested in that one. It's a very powerful piece. I have it in my house right now. And it's my family's favorite piece. It's the only one that didn't sell. I, I sold everything else. Um, but I'm kind of glad that one didn't sell. And I think eventually it will. I had a couple other people that came over and were like, can I have that? <laughs> um it's a daily reminder that you have to deal with your darker side and you have to yeah. deal with the interior part of us, which again, relates to our flow. So having hysterectomy, my flow is more underground. It's more like water underground um, than a river on top of the, of the land. Mm -hmm. And so it's forcing me to be even a little bit more aware and quieter and pay attention to myself which is doubly hard because I have a lot going on right now with the girl, the, the my girls in my life right now. Um, I think it's kind of funny that they're teenagers and I'm going through perimenopause. <laughs> 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 I just have to remind myself, like when we kind of butt heads, like I'm not going to yeah. have bitch a teenager, like it's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> I just need to like be flexible, like a reed. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I'm learning right now. Um, I love how visual, like, of course, you're an artist, so you can make, you know, descriptions more visual, but like, to even just be able to visualize that your cycle is more underground, the water is underground, rather than like, you know, that river above land, that's like, mm -hmm. literally moving, and then also like moving in here, um, inside and like, at the heart. And I love that. And I love that about how you're able to talk about things. And I love the story that you shared when um, you were in a store, even with, I think your daughter and mm -hmm. you guys were like originally whispering about like period <laughs> stuff. And then you're like, wait, no. Um, so you're just amazing. You want that. me to talk <laughs> about, would you like me to talk about that? Story? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's when I knew I wanted to work with you, Algelin. I wanted to work with Ladybox because yeah. I am 47. So let's see, I was in the seventies and eighties, right? Um, periods were not something you talked about. Uh, my period story to keep it real short. I started my period young. I was like 11 mm -hmm. and I didn't even know what a period was. And I woke up and it, and it was like a, like a pool of blood on my mother's homemade favorite quilt. Oh no. I was like, oh my God. And I had no idea what happened other than I just wanted to fold it up and I put it in the back of my closet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. So I just dealt with it 
And then eventually she figured out I was on my cycle and she talked to me, of course, and helped me get what I needed. And then I had to show her this, you know, blanket of shame, <laughs> you know, and she was super sweet about it. I have like, yeah, my, my stepmom is my mom is like the best. Um, and we ended up making a quilt together and that's how we solved that problem. Um, wow. but, you know, for me, it could have been a totally different experience, right. Had yeah. it been something that wasn't so taboo and not talked about. Yeah. And when I started, when Algen kind of pitched me her vision and what she was trying to do to, you know, remove the taboo around periods, um, around a woman's cycle and, and also to improve self-care, um, around our cycles. And ultimately like what you're doing is to connect it to, you know, your life. Like maybe I don't do a massive pitch right before the day of my cycle, <laughs> you know, like maybe I schedule that for a couple of days later. Yeah. Um, you know, and the power inherent in that for women to really connect the dots that way and make decisions from a fully empowered space of, I am somebody who cycles, I have rhythm and rituals and I need to incorporate that in my thinking and planning and doing and being right. Mm-hmm. Um, so my daughter and I are my 14 year old. Okay. So just to let you know, I have two daughters, 18 and 14, my 18 year olds, like Audrey Hepburn <laughs> and my 14 year olds, like, um, Joan Jett, which is kind of an old reference to a rock star kind of, uh, yes. Yes. Okay. And so totally opposite. And my oldest was like, just put her hand on my back one day and said, I'm going to say something to you. I mean, I, I literally was, my back was to her. She's like, I'm going to say something to you. I've had my cycle. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I have everything I need. I'm good. And I just, you know, I was like, okay, can I ask you questions? You know? And I got mm-hmm. a little bit of a conversation. And then my other one, she just like sings it from the two tops. Like she's like, period, <laughs> underwear. Like this yeah. is the thing. So we were in, I don't know, Target, Target. And uh, we were like, I'm like, oh, do you need some stuff? And then I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, do you need some stuff? Do you need some pads? Do, what do you need? And, and she looks at me and she's like, yeah, that's it. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> uh, so it was just that little flip in my mind where I'm like, oh, I, I, I subconsciously do this and I don't even realize that I'm hush hush when I talk about mm-hmm. it, you know, um, as though it's impolite to do otherwise. And so it was mm-hmm. nice to kind of release that. I, that is so awesome. So I, I was, I set up a, a table for the agenda period at a conference that was almost all women. And so it's kind of a, like a tongue in cheek, but also to kind of help bring attention to our booth. We provided free period products each day of the conference with like, mm-hmm. Hey, come check us out in the lobby. Da, da, da. And um, it was the second day and a woman came through, there was no one out in the ex- exhibition hall. And she was like, mm-hmm. thank you for putting the products in the back. <laughs> Oh, and I was like, you're welcome. Like, like, it's almost like 90% women here anyway. So like probably at least one out of every four folks has their period right now. And she still could not say it out loud in a completely empty hall where there were only two women at our table. And I was like, oh, this goes so much deeper. Like I started to make a a planner and uh, I uncovered all of these other things that I didn't know were just below the surface of this (laughs) So yeah. I'm super excited to, for, uh, for you to be here with us today. And I, you alluded to some of the issues you had kind of been having, but I would love for you to talk us about your hysterectomy and how you kind of came to that decision, um, what was going on medically for you, and you just kind of hear about that process. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, so I, I, after having my two daughters, uh, I severely depleted my iron stores were mm-hmm. severely depleted. So I had... Um, um, chronic anemia 
and I was receiving iron infusions uh, where you go in and they give you an IV full of iron into your body. And it's like, like a vampire getting blood. <laughs> Essentially I would come out and like my cheeks would be rosy and um, you know, just able to function again, but I became allergic, severely allergic to the iron. So I could not take it anymore. So I was struggling for about two years prior to my hysterectomy mm. and about a year. Let's see here. I was supposed to have the surgery in April, April, May of 2020. Okay. Um, however, uh, due to the pandemic, they said it wasn't a medical emergency, excuse me. And, um, and so I had to wait. And so I waited mm. until I became dangerously anemic. So I went into surgery in a really weakened state, which is not mm. the best way to go into surgery. And then I ended up having complications. Um, so not to scare anybody, but it was difficult. It was a difficult surgery and or the surgery went fine, but the recovery was super difficult, partly because I was anemic and partly because there was a mistake made in the hospital um, that created a cascading effect um, where I was pretty much in the hospital once a week for two months. Um, so um, not knowing what was wrong and developed a blood clot and almost had to go into emergency surgery for that. Um, I was very lucky not to have to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a good, honestly, I had the surgery in August and it was not until probably January that I started to feel like a normal person. And I still see that it's going to take me a good full year to be back on my feet completely. Um, and so the lesson for me right now is to just take things in stride and pay attention to when I need to rest and communicate that as much as I can with, the, with um, my personal and in my professional life. So how, how have you been able to hold that boundary when you need to, because I feel like, and I talked about this earlier during an Instagram live, so many women feel like they need to carry the burden of everything that is going on in their lives and in other people's lives around them. Um, and like, since I have known you, I just have witnessed you really holding your boundaries really well with people. And so how have you empowered yourself to do that since, um, um, I, I take it day by day. Um, I lean on my husband, honestly, a little bit because he, and he kind of protects my space and time and, and checks, has me do a check. And we actually created that because I am having a little bit of like, um, I'm not as sharp, you know, as I am usually really sharp, sharp. I mean, I'm, I'm probably, I'm sure I'm still really sharp in some ways, or I couldn't do my job, but for me, like, you know, the mm -hmm. level I'm used to being at, um, so I've created like a, a backup plan that he checks in with me. If I'm going to take on anything new, we talk mm -hmm. and he's like, we've got some questions we ask you, you know, he asks me to ask, it's like having a letter and you open, you write a letter <laughs> yourself and then you open it up and you're like, okay, yeah, that's right. So yeah. he's kind of doing that for me. Um, and that helps a lot. And okay. um, ultimately I slow down and make myself slow down and meditate. Um, even if I can't get a full 20 minute meditation in, I do five minutes. I put a little sign underneath my mirror that says resist resisting. <laughs> so if I feel oh. like, no, I need to get something done. I, I don't have time to meditate. I'm like, oh, there it is. And <laughs> I just kind of, oh, I just made like an 80s reference to a pop song. Um, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, and so that helps me a lot. And some days I don't make it. Some days I do too much. And I'm like, you know, okay, go to sleep. Get some, real, get some real rest, sleep in. I let myself mm -hmm. sleep in 
Um, and I just communicate. And I also remember like, it's not going to feel good to always say I can't do more. And I just, I'm okay with that. I guess that's yeah. what it is. And I assume I will eventually get to a place where I won't feel bad for taking time. Does that make sense? Like yeah. feelings are there, but I know they're not really an accurate account of reality because the mm-hmm. reality is that I am healing and I am doing what I can when I can. And my priorities are straight. I know what I'm doing with my kids. I know, you know, what I'm trying to do with my career. And this is the time in my life where like the tortoise and hare, I see myself as more the tortoise mm-hmm. and I'm going slow and steady where I used to be like, pull a rabbit out of a hat and do all this crazy stuff and really fast. And mm-hmm. that was my mat. That was my superpower. Um, but now that I've hit a different stride in my life right now, the lesson for me is to learn to be steady and, and go forward. So that like, that's kind of the dominant groove in my life right now mm-hmm. that I'm learning to be steady and consistent and go slow. Um, and that's, that's personal for me. Uh, so I guess for others learning what that needs to be for you, maybe the dominant groove needs to be quick and, and, you know, get things mm-hmm. done and, and then move on to the next thing. Who knows? Um, but for me right now, that's really important, especially when it comes to perimenopause, because you are learning how to surf. You're learning how to move through the world in a very different way. You know, you're releasing a certain amount of your youth in some ways, but then that doesn't mean you're not youthful. Yep. Um, you're finding, I'm finding a different level of sexy, what that means for me. And yeah, um, I love that. yeah. And, and so, you know, it's like, you know, just that you hear it a lot of showing up for yourself. Um, I think also lack uh, my progesterone being a little lower now that I'm going into perimenopause. Um, I care less. <laughs> I care less of people. Think. Sometimes a little too much. Like, okay, Jamie, you need to care a little more. Like, <laughs> like I have a moment. I'm like, okay, remember the sweet Jamie, the really nice. Jamie. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, th- but if I work out, like mm-hmm. I was telling Algelin, what'd you call it? Sweating out the bitch. Yep. If I can work out, <laughs> isn't that great? Yep. I love that. Sweating out the bitch. If I get that time to myself, I'm good. I am so golden. Yep. Um, and also I'm just trying to, from a, just a practical point of view, you know, I'm trying intermittent fasting, which has been very helpful for balancing out my hormones. Um, I have the added thing, just like the iron where I was allergic to the one thing that my body needed. I cannot take, um, a progesterone cream, which was super helpful. So I was using this bio identical natural progesterone cream that I got from, um, Oh, what's it called? Is it downtown Colesbo? It's where they make it. They apothecary, like they make it right there. Oh, um, Um, Oh, the uh, compound pharmacy. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, and I would pick that up. And you just rub a little bit on the inside of your arms and man, hot flashes went away, sleeping, but you know, all of the things that if you balance out your hormones, but I cannot mm-hmm. take it because mm-hmm. I have the blood clot issue. So it's contraindicative, indicative or whatever. I can't say that word. Anyways, I can't have it. And so I don't get the easy way out. <laughs> I have to work out. I have to meditate. And so I'm like, okay, universe. All right. Um, so that, uh, but I want to put that out there because natural progesterone cream is not the same as the medical artificial stuff that they make, they give you for hormone therapy. It's a totally different yeah. thing. 
And I did find that to be extremely helpful for me. So women out there, if you're looking for something, that is something to consider. Um, I have a naturopath here in, in Pulse Blow that I, that I consult for that. And she's focused solely on women's health and those types awesome. of issues. So. so you kind of have two kind of co-situations that have been happening. So I'd love for you to kind of break them down and show how they connect for our listeners. So sure. were you go, did you already begin perimenopause before you had the hysterectomy or did the, your perimenopause kind of kick off after the hysterectomy mm-hmm. and kind of talk about how those two things connected for you, how they all kind of came together. Okay. Uh, two year journey then. Um, so a year before my hysterectomy, I, I started to go into perimenopause and I was so, I'm like, uh, so this is a year into being married. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, honey, <laughs> which is early, you know, it was yeah. early. It's like, here's the ABCs of me. Um, so I started going into perimenopause and at work, I loved that at Vibe Coworks, there was most, was I'd say at least half the people there were women, if not more. And so there were four or five of us would have hot flashes. And there was this like little donut <laughs> sign thing. It was the shape of a donut about this yeah. big. It was attached to this little stick. And it was meant for like an Instagram picture. When you do it, they call it a donut. It's like a meetup, but it mm-hmm. became the perimenopause fan. So, <laughs> That's true. And it was stuck up at the, at the front desk. So you'd walk up there, my face would be all red and I would start fanning myself. And I'm like one, I swear one thirty, one o'clock every day, like time, like clockwork. It was, my nose would turn red, very embarrassing, but whatever. We made a joke of it. So that started then. And then what I didn't mention before was that I developed a fibroid. So not only was I anemic, I developed a fibroid that was embedded mm-hmm. in my uterus And so there was a direct, it was connected not to the bleeding that was normal bleeding for your cycle, but to my bloodstream. So I was literally pumping out blood out of my body, straight from my blood supply. Um, And I was having like an extra period. Mm. So that's how I found out that I had a fibroid as I had my cycle. And then four days later, I had, I bled for 10 days and went to the emergency room, kind of, you know, figured I had a fibroid. And then, and then I was, so I was having this like, extra period, so to speak, but it was literally just bloodletting every month. So, um, it was worse than certain, you know, every month it varied as far as how bad it was. And, um, so then that's when we realized I needed to have surgery. Um, and then the pandemic hit, um, just had the surgery in May pandemic hit, had the surgery in August, um, due to Mm -hmm. just couldn't manage anymore without, without my blood, (laughs) without having the blood in your body, Uh, iron in your blood. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have iron in your blood. For those who don't know, you don't have a way to get oxygen to your brain, to your heart, to all your organs. So I had a friend explain to me what it was like to climb, um, a really tall mountain. And he said, what was, what he felt like at the top. And and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's what I felt like for months. I my, you know, I was really struggling to breathe. I was going up the stairs and couldn't make it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then once I had the surgery, now that it's been a few months of me just trying to get back on my feet, I feel like it's kicked up a little bit. I've have both my ovaries. Um, I was, I did not have my ovaries removed. So that's helpful for me to go through the natural process. Um, but I would say now that I'm not on the hormonal cream, it's been about a month. Um, it's definitely kicked up the sense of feeling like I'm going through menopause in regards to sleep. If I don't work out, I don't sleep well as well. Um, hot flashes at times and, 
fogginess and also um, just being able to handle stress as well. Like I'm yeah. a little more little irritable, you know? So the whole key to this is just, I have to get my heart rate going. I have to get up and, and moving um, before I can start my day. So I need to have that. That's the piece I'm trying to implement right now is the intermittent fasting again, and then working mm -hmm. out in the morning and then kind of starting my day versus the flip. I used to flip it, do my workout at the end of the day. So I just got back. My family just left town. They were here for a week. <laughs> so I haven't done anything for like a week and a half and I'm feeling it. I'm definitely yeah. feeling it. Um, yes, it was very I busy. Huh? I hope you get in some like, you know, Jamie time, self-care time, like whatever you need to like regenerate yourself. Yes. Oh yeah. Yourself. I'm definitely, it. I've got mm -hmm. my workout bag packed. I'm doing it today. Nice. Um, but I would like to say, like, I know for me, it, there is not a lot of information out there. And I feel like it's been me on my own trying to figure it out, mm -hmm. um, a little bit. And then kind of, like I said, like almost like patchwork quilting together ideas. Yeah. And so for other women out there, you know, it's kind of like that. And it, and it, I think it'll get better over time as we have companies like yours, you know, providing information and resources and community around it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the community that I've built through Vive with other women that are going through has helped a lot. That's helped tremendously. Yeah. Just not feeling so alone. And, you know, the, the irritable part and like the progesterone going down and kind of being more snappy than you might normally be that, that has been the hardest part for me because that's just not who, how I normally handle things. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm always kind of maintaining even strain. Um, I mean, it, in that professional realm and for me to go, Ooh, that was a little short, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, that's nice to have that ability to do that. Um, yeah. but that's the piece that I'm working through right now. So if you feel like you're being a bitch out there, other women, <laughs> it's okay. You'll get through it. It is probably okay. Not as bad as you think. It's probably not yeah. as bad as you think too. On, <laughs> on the outside looking in. Um, well, so. I want to um, piggyback off of that because when I was doing some research on perimenopause and like some keywords that I was using, like perimenopause stats, how many people are going through perimenopause um, and like other keywords to try to find like information of like actually how many like what's the raw number or like percentage of people going through perimenopause and it's that is even hard to find you'll find you know people going like they have their periods I could find stats on like um how many hysterectomies happen a year like on average and then you know menopause facts but like I don't think re people really understand that there's like an in-between from right, having right. a period to menopause and that's the perimenopause <laughs> and then the only stat that I could find is like 3.7 percent of people are going through perimenopause and I'm like that just you know percentage-wise that sounds low but even like raw numbers wise that kind of sounds low too because perimenopause can last for years it's not just like this one month stage between periods exactly. and menopause it can go on for years so like yeah, a decade yeah that's so both. Yeah. please know that you are not alone and you are right, Jamie, there is not a lot of information out there. So what is one thing other than letting people know that they're not alone and it's okay to like, feel like they're being <laughs> bitchy. 
um, you've like spent so many years most likely carrying the burden of like other people. So you're trying to like understand how to like just carry your own stuff. But mm-hmm. what's something that you wish you would have known or something that you can share for listeners out there that are going through something similar to you? Um, I wish that I had known about the naturopathic, um, the naturopath that I use. I wish that I would have understood <clears throat> that it'll pass, that you mm-hmm. have times where you're foggy and times where you're more sharp. And I wish, like the cream was definitely helpful. I wish that I could use it, I can't. Um, I would have liked to know about intermittent fasting. That was huge for me. And when I, and I feel like it's, for me, I feel like I can do that because it's actually just not eating. So I'm, I'm removing it, an activity out of my day, not having to add one, which yeah. is really convenient. And my appetite and everything shifted anyways. So yeah. when I, and I felt such a huge benefit from it, the first three or four days were hard. And then once I got past that, it was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have, I don't, I haven't found this quite yet. I would have liked to have found a community of people to talk to, mm-hmm. um, or like in person, you know, yeah. <laughs> I know the pandemic is what it is, but, um, being able to be around other women who are going through it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little on the younger side, so that's, um, that's a little bit harder. I mean, I usually start in your fifties, you know, so I would say I started at 45 first, but I've that's been my, that's been the case in my family. And, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of, um, a little rougher because I don't have as many women my age that are going through this. Um, let's see. I think those beginning pieces, having a, an actual person, medical doctor to talk to about it, but just, just yeah. want to put me on drugs. That's my personal, you yeah. know, I don't like drugs don't me don't get along very well. So Mm-hmm. I can't really take a lot of medications, um, which I'm not on anything right now, which is kind of good. Yeah. Um, yeah, there isn't, there isn't a lot of information, just being able to start out with accurate information. And then if you tend to be more naturopathic, having access to that, if you tend to be more traditional medicine, having access to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that. I hope that answers your question. I think yeah. the other thing to go back a little bit to the hysterectomy something that I wasn't prepared for was the sense of loss of Mm -hmm. my uterus being gone Mm -hmm. um I was so you know I didn't want to have the surgery but I knew I needed to and Mm -hmm. I tried I exhausted all the other options um but I definitely felt a loss of that and I think that sometimes I I feel outside of the conversation when I hear, like I, I saw a workshop around, oh, their uterus is the seat of your creativity. And, oh. you know, and like, and, that, yeah. and there's some truth to that though. Yeah. There's some truth to that. Um, so as an artist, uh, I've had to find that center inside my core, you know, mm-hmm. like your chakra along your chakra line. I've had to find where that sits because I didn't know it until it's gone but that sits right on the top. The, the feeling of my energy and my creative energy sat like, kind of like, I guess, inside my uterus. And so now it's like a little ball that is right above where my uterus used to be. I had to visualize that. And maybe that's helpful for somebody else that, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's real, the sense of, of feeling less like a woman or like some 
it's not, it's not logical. You know, it's just yeah. a, it's just a feeling um, that you cannot have babies anymore. You, you know, mm-hmm. there's a weird sense of living on the edge when you know you can get pregnant every month. <laughs> you could create life, you know? And then mm-hmm. even when I'm like, I'm not creating any more life, you know, I'm dead uh, at 47. It's just that weird sense of you can't, you know, like your wings being clipped or something like that. Yeah. Kind of feeling. Um, so that has been me literally creating like a psychic uterus, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, right above where my uterus used to be. So I focus in on energy right there. And that is helping because I'm painting a new series. And uh, I was I a little worried. I was like, uh, am I going to have, you know, is, is my creativity still there? Um, the young part of us, right? The young part of our beings. But I wanted to put that out there that if I had, I would love there to be more conversations about that. Yeah. The feeling of have, having your uterus, your physical uterus gone and how to like recreate that sense of, of birthing things in life, you know? Where do you find that seed of creativity? Yeah, I think I think that's so important because we even, um, you know, really try to work to keep the agenda period open for non-binary or maybe someone who is transgender. And, and there's a lot tied into these physical body parts and there can be that this should have been there or it was and now it's no longer there. And so energetically recreating that for yourself. Um, we, we talk about people tapping into the moon cycles if they want to do that as a way to kind yes. of track with that. But I just think that's a really beautiful image. Again, thank you for your artistic ability on this on this podcast, but just like really creating that energy center for yourself, um, I think is a great practice that people can do. <clears throat> and um, and just like this idea of tracking all along, if we get better at that, I think that will help push the information and and say, hey, this is happening to us in mass. We need some more education around it. And when we're yes. really empowered with that health data for ourselves, I think that will become an easier, an easier thing to request from providers. So yeah, just, just thank you. Thank you for all you've shared today. Thank you for talking to us about both perimenopause and your hysterectomy. Um, It was really, really special to have you with us today. So thank you for your time. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. You are welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Jamie, if, uh, if anybody wants to connect with you in terms of like learning more about the art that you do and um, even the work that you do as a user experience um, consultant, uh, what is a good way for them to, you know, connect with you or learn more about you? I'm going to tell you really quick because my computer's going to die. For some reason, it's not plugged in correctly. I just realized that. Oh, no. Um, Mimilabs.ux um, at gmail.com. It'd be a great way to get a hold of me. And that's for either one. It's mostly my UX work, but you can you can reach me there if you're interested in what I do as an artist as well. Awesome. Thank you. I love yeah. chatting with you, Jamie. Thank you so much for being on this podcast um, today and like helping to shed the shame around like having a hysterectomy, going through perimenopause and just like bringing more light to it um, and mm-hmm. understanding. Um, so thank you so much. Absolutely. So um Thank you to our listeners and supporters of the Shed the Shame podcast and fundraising campaign. If you have a story about how you shed the shame uh, and would love to be a guest, please email us at podcast at shedtheshame.co. And to learn more about the fundraising campaign, visit www.shedtheshame.co. 
Um, and as Alex has like, when she first talked about this podcast, um, what she says is let's keep it real and messy, just like periods. Right, Alex? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks everybody. And we'll see you next time. All right. Take care.